Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hey everybody, welcome to Stacy Connects. I am Stacy Heller. This show is all about making connections through conversation because I don't know. I feel like by asking questions instead of making assumptions, we might learn something. So I love interviewing different people, having conversations, learning something that I don't know about. And I'm pretty excited about my guest today, Keith Lowe. He is a bassist, and that is definitely something that I do not know about since I was kicked out of band in fourth grade. I digress. It was bad. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, And I didn't play a string instrument. I played uh, a brass instrument. And when I say played, I mean I attempted to play. You're doing the air quotes for people that can't see you on the radio. I'm doing the air quotes. Yeah. And was that French horn? Yes. That was my French horn experience. Yes. Beautiful instrument. Beautiful instrument when played by someone that knows how to play. Right. When played by fourth grade Stacy. Not really so great, but I'll tell you what, it was a great accessory for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) uh, thanks to everybody for listening. If you like the show, make sure you share it. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And it would be great if you were to, I don't know, rate it, subscribe, comment, any of the above. You can also call live into the show. You might have a question for Keith. You might have a question for me. Maybe you've got a question for Eric. The number is 425-373-5527. You can also connect with me at 475-999-2724. So I already mentioned that my guest is Keith Lowe. Hello. Hello. It's very exciting that you're here. Thank you. I am super stoked to have a conversation with you. However, before we do, I'm going to share some of the conversations and observations from the past week. Excellent. So, last week, I called into the show from my lake house, and I had a full week of visitors at the lake house. It was like back to back to back to back, and it was awesome. I have decided that adult sleepaway camp is an amazing thing because your friends bring food. Awesome. Right? Yep. Uh, So you don't have to cook all the time. They bring, uh, in my case, they bring bottles of gin. They bring wine. Uh, they want to help. They tidy. They all, can, right? They can yeah, relax. All beautiful thing. Right. They can entertain themselves if, say, you're working. Um, they bring their energy. Right. I mean, it was truly like adult sleepaway camp. And Pete and I, on the drive home, uh, we were like, that was really fun. We need to do that more. So that was pretty awesome. I learned on Saturday, we have osprey. We have a, um, at the lake, they have a nest, which to me always looks like it's a telephone pole that somebody lapped off the top and like put a bar there. And turns out that's like an osprey nest, uh, or at least where they build one. I don't think the osprey took the telephone pole and created it. I don't think they can. Uh, anyway, I, of course... 
I'm going off on a tangent, but I did not know that an osprey and a seahawk are the same thing. I did not know that. Yes. Eric, did you know that? You know, I did not. So I learned that an osprey, the different names for it are osprey, uh, seahawk, fishhawk, or something else. I can't remember. And I had no idea. I mean, just think of it. Seattle could have like the Seattle osprey. Ah, Seahawks sounds better. <laughs> yeah, <doesn't> it? <laughs> and I, here I thought that was a made-up name. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a thing. It's another it's another name for an osprey. That's great. I just learned about nighthawks at a camp I was at. Really? Yeah. So what's up with the nighthawk? Well, isn't that a show or something? <laughs> or a movie? <laughs> it's many things, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I was uh, out. It's a in the, C-list uh, superhero. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I was out camping, well, teaching at a music camp and woods around. And at night, you would hear these hawk sounds calling back and forth like you were surrounded by them. It was very mysterious and very cool. Interesting. Okay. Nighthawk. Uh, that, who knew? Yeah. Well, as long as we're getting in on the uh, large bird uh, conversation, <laughs> yes, I've noticed a lot of owls around my house, oh, which lucky. is interesting. Really? Yeah, that's cool. And you know what's funny is like the, sometimes they'll prop uh, like on top of the neighbor's house, and it looks like a decoration until you see it fly off. You know, <laughs> that's cool. I don't think really I've cool. ever seen an owl in the wild. Like I've seen them when I've gone to like you know the the zoo slash barn section. Uh, but I've yeah. never seen one in the wild. Well, I've come home and one will be just sitting on top of my fence, and I'm like, okay, he's just gonna fly away as soon as I walk up. But no, this this one was like just totally chill and allowed me to take pictures. And Have stuff. you looked up what the like what a spirit animal is with an owl? I know you don't oh. really believe in that stuff, but I uh, no, I haven't. I will but, look yeah. it up for you. There, okay, you may have a spirit animal in an owl. Well, it's been multiple owls that we've seen that live like nearby the house. So sometimes they they just come and visit, and they're welcome as long as they keep their grubby little mitts off our off pets. Your... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you don't want to say grubby little mitts in front of the owl. Right. Right. Because yes. <laughs> the owl thinks that you have a really good relationship right now, and so yeah. Um. Yeah, the bird watching is fascinating. Like, uh, I thought that I was hearing a loon. Apparently, I was hearing morning doves. And so... Uh, another bird I had no idea existed. Uh, uh, so, apparently, doves and loons have sort of a haunting sound that's very similar. So, I might have to become a birder. I'm not sure what I think about this, <laughs> but... And it, then you get to hear the loon uh, when you come into the studio on Thursdays and do the show with me. The, <laughs> There you go. So if you if you get so a hoot, you, you get you'll it listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have to say, I I was watching the birds when I was visiting my mom. Which, by the way, hi mom. I think she's listening. She's in Minnesota right now. She is uh, visiting uh, my brother and his wife and uh, my niece and and her husband. And they have two kids now, Ford and Wyatt. Which. I love it when people come up with really creative names and then similar or at the same time, I'm also like, oh, why didn't I think of something really cool? Yeah. It sounds like uh, yep. Western right? names. Yeah. Like really like like hearty, solid folk. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both like a 
adorable. Gonna saddle up and ride out of town with Ford and Wyatt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like it's they're gonna have their own little gang. Yeah. So, um, okay. Now, the other thing that I did over the weekend is, so a guest that I've had on the show previously, his name is Dr. Richard Adler. He is a clinical and forensic psychiatrist. He is, uh, you know, he's very good at what he does. He's renowned for what he does. He's a, a serious folk. And yet, he stayed at our lake house this weekend, and I got him to watch Airplane. Fun. Oh, the movie Airplane? The movie From Airplane. Like 76 or yep. 77. He had never seen it before. And I will tell you, that movie needs to be canceled like six <laughs> ways to Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it's hysterical. And I'm not yes. part of the whole cancel culture thing because it's, I get that it's a, yeah. it's a time capsule of what was acceptable and, exactly. you know, and all of that. So I, I don't feel like it needs to be canceled. But at the same time, watching that movie... It is ridiculous, and there's a lot of jokes that just wouldn't fly now. Uh, ha ha ha! <laughs> well, that, no pun there. intended. Actually, <laughs> no pun intended there. Good but, one, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> Surely you jest. Um, and and the the number of I don't jest, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The number of jokes that you visual gags and yeah. uh, and you know verbal gags and whatever that you miss. I mean, I've seen that movie probably. Six or seven times, and there is still more things that other people, when they're watching it, they're like, "Oh, ha ha ha!" Like that's from the Folgers commercial, and I'm like, "Oh, that's what that is." <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so that was really fun. Um, and then I was wearing my—I have a T-shirt that's a black T-shirt, and it has sort of the NFL logo on it. And instead of saying NFL, it says Neil, somebody that I know. Uh, created a fundraiser uh, after the whole George Floyd piece and really trying to raise money and awareness. And, uh, you know, it's a great design and it's, you know, honoring this whole thing. And I was wearing it in Veranda Beach and Veranda Beach tends to be more conservative of an area and part of the state. And uh, I was about to head down to the beach to take a walk and it was suggested that perhaps I change my T-shirt and so I changed into very cute pink shorts and a green shirt, and I turned into non-confrontational Stacy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this could be a gag on SNL where it's like, you know, suddenly you, you turn into that non-confrontational person. Because I don't need to get into politics while I'm walking down to the beach. Yeah, no. I just want to walk down to the beach and enjoy, and everyone should have the opportunity to enjoy. So... It was just sort of a note to self, like, oh, yeah, sometimes your T-shirts uh, give away your inside thoughts to the outside. <laughs> um, okay. My okay. Staceyism today. What is it? Did you want to? Oh, you want to hear? I do. Okay. So I actually, normally I pick the Staceyism uh, and I don't really think about who the guest is. But today I picked this idea because you're a guest. Uh this idea that as I was watching Airplane and as I've been watching TV and whatever, I have been thinking about the the music and, and movie soundtracks and television soundtracks and the times of my life that I've been like, I know the perfect song that would be good for this moment, you know, because it would it would express what's going on inside my head. And I was just thinking about how sometimes words 
fail to uh, express what you want to say. Amen. Yeah. Even words fail me, the person that talks as much as I do. And yet music doesn't ever seem to. It really can provide a whole vibe and it can say something uh, when words can't. Yeah. What is that uh, effect called when you hear about something and then all of a sudden that's all you see? Oh, um, I don't, I don't know. I know there's this idea of like manifesting what you want, but I think what you're talking about is something different. Like you mean when you learn a new word and you start hearing it in conversations all of a sudden all the time? Yeah. Or you buy a new car and then suddenly that's all you can see is right. other people with the same car. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because I've been talking about uh, movie soundtracks and how much emotion they put in. Yes. Well, and the music that you shared with me, uh, you know, it is so uh, atmospheric and so, you know, charged with uh, things to say without saying a word. And so nice. I just, it, it made me think about it. So I guess my Staceyism here is if you're trying to say something to someone, maybe have a backdrop of music so that if the words are not resonating, maybe the music could help punctuate what you're trying to say. Like if you're like, I'm fired or you're fired, you know, maybe you need some dramatic music or, you know, like I'm I love you, but you're not really good at expressing that or you're saying it for the first time. Have have a score. Million dollar idea right there. Right. Maybe yes. a sped up version of staying alive. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Sure. Just to bring it back to airplane. <laughs> Naturally. I love it. So there's got to be an app for that. Anyway. Um, OK. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, I am very excited to chat with Keith Lowe, the professional bassist. We'll be right back. Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But at the root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuiperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. Stacy Connects, it's not just my business, it's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. I am Stacy. I'm joined by Keith. Keith, hello. Hello. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I myself am not a musician. Uh, not only was I escorted out of band, I was also 
uh, escorted essentially out of choir. Mm. I moved from soprano to alto, and then I was told that I would be a very enthusiastic listener. And uh, wow, yeah, right. I know. I mean, it's not it's not wrong. No, you think? Well, I hope they inc- tried to encourage you for a, a good long time. Well, no. Uh, however, that's okay. I found my medium. I have realized that that is not my instrument. There you go. So that's fine. Yeah. So uh, you and I actually had the opportunity to chat, which I don't with a lot of my guests, but before uh, mm-hmm. the show, and you shared that you grew up with really your whole family played instruments. Yes. And yeah. your parents played. Yeah, not professionally, but they they played instruments. Did sure. they uh, did they play as adults so that that was modeled for you? Because I feel like sometimes you know, like if I had I don't know not been kicked out of band, then one could say that I had played it, and so I encouraged my kids to take band, but I wasn't playing it as an adult. Did they continue to play through their adult life? Not so much. My, I mean. Sometimes when we'd go to parties when I was really young, okay, uh, we would play, and I just saw a picture of the five of us and my dad, and he was playing violin in that picture, but he didn't do it a lot. Okay, he, he was very busy doing other things. Okay, but both of them loved music and made sure we all uh, got private lessons every week. That's amazing. It, yeah, it was. Fantastic. My dad drove every one of us, five of us, to weekly lessons. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're one of five. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, now, is uh, the bass, is that something, like, where did you start your musical journey? Like, where do you, t- like, I mean, obviously kids start in different places, but right. did you start with string instruments? Well, really early on. I think it was my brother who had a snare drum. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'll play the snare drum because I want to be like my brother or something. Uh, but that was super short. Yeah. Okay. And then I remember they got me one of those weird, super funky drum sets from the Sears catalog. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that barely stayed upright. But that I, you know, I barely remember that. So it, yeah, I wouldn't say I was ever a drummer. Okay, all right. Yeah, so uh, they came around in fourth grade to to our schools. They being, I don't know. Right, the powers uh, that be. Yes, the musical powers that be, and uh, it was a thing where they would ask you, like, "Do you want to play an instrument? And if so, what's it going to be?" Yep. So for me, uh, I thought, well. What would get me a lot of attention? Hmm. <laughs> trombone, because I could go, and people would laugh. Right. So I said trombone, and thank whoever, the higher beings, uh, the person was like, oh, no, you can't play trombone. Your arms are too short. Oh. Uh, and thank goodness. I mean, I love trombone, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my nephews is a brilliant trombonist. Um. So then I had to think, well, what what else would I like? And what else, I hate to say it, but what else would get me attention? Right, sure. So I thought, oh, bass. I'll play the bass. And they were like, okay, great. 
And I think <clears throat> perhaps they had already had enough trombone players. Right. Because arms are too short for trombone, but I'm a little guy. And they were like, yeah, sure, play the giant bass. <laughs> I know. I have this vision of, like, a fourth grade you having to basically, like, cling on to this thing like it's a tree trunk. Yeah. I mean, do they have smaller? Yes. They okay. started me on a, a full-size cello that was okay. tuned like a bass. Okay. Oh, that's a thing? You can do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thing for beginners. I didn't know sure. that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's cool. And then did you take to it immediately, or was this like a uh, practice, 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 and then you found that you really, you know, you hit your stride with it? Well, uh, hard for me to remember, but uh, just because it's been in my life for so long, I kind of forget a lot of the beginnings. But, um, yeah, I don't think it was ever like, I'm going to give this a try. It was just that after I decided that, that was going to be it. Your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you so you finish high school and you're going out into the the big world. So what becomes your first gig Um, or your first like I'm sure you had like bands that you had with friends and that kind of. thing. Yeah. My high school rock band. Uh, Mind was its name. Mind. M.I.N.D. Yes. Oh, because we were totally into exploration and mind exploration via some things. Okay. So was this a psychedelic band or Why, just yes, psychedelic it... musicians? <laughs> uh, both. Yes. Both. <laughs> Excellent clarifying we, question. <laughs> we would play parties and they were called mind jams. And uh, we would take our whatever's uh, mind expanding things and play. Nice. Yeah. It was All super, right. super great. Um, but anyway, my, and then I would also, I'm not religious and my family was not religious. Um, but I ended up playing in churches, uh, for some reason early on. Hey. I mean, and those weren't gigs per se. Yeah, but it's an opportunity to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I did one, maybe two, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, services at that giant St. Mark's, the one on the hill there. Okay. Um, yeah, and then various other churchy things. But my first gig was here in Bellevue um, at this place. It's gone now, but it was called Villa de Roma. Okay. And um, there's this guy, uh, Mickey Martin. Mickey Martin and the Gents of Jazz. And he was this old black man who was like uh, apparently played in Jack Ruby's nightclub. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he was here in Seattle and he played blues guitar and he tap danced and uh, really like an all around just entertainer. Fabulous guy. Yeah. Like old school entertainer. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I part of my job was to tune his guitar because he couldn't do it. Um, and then there was this, uh, the piano player was this older guy who worked, who was an uh, old Boeing engineer. And then the drummer, I forget, it was a, a younger guy. But, yeah, we played there multiple nights a week. And um, so cool, live music and and dinner was so it was a restaurant or a club. It was kind of a it was 
I guess it was a restaurant, but there was it was a big bar. Like so a cocktail lounge. Yeah, there was like a stage okay. and a dance floor. And I'm really happy to say that um my dad got to see me there. Oh. Yeah, cuz he died really early on. Okay. Um so that was like the first professional gig and probably I guess the yeah, the only professional gig he saw me do. And he loved it cuz we were playing old-timey songs sure like sweet lorraine and uh old cape cod oh that's like amazing that. so yeah. your dad although uh you lost him he got an opportunity to see you play yeah music that he loved and like it only got better for you from there so like that's kind of cool yeah it was nice because i know he got a little concerned when i wanted to play electric bass so i started at acoustic bass at 10 and then quickly was like, I want to play the electric bass. Right. And that was probably around 11. And uh, he was very concerned that I would drop the acoustic bass. Okay. But I didn't. Um, I loved playing it. So um, I don't know what where that story's going. or. Well, your dad. Yeah, but, dad. You know, I mean, dads have opinions. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was great that I was playing upright bass on that gig. Yeah. At the Villa de Roma. I still have an ad cut out from the Bellevue newspaper. It, like it advertising? Our, yeah, it has our picture in it. We did a photo shoot. That's so cool. It was. It's pretty great. I mean, and that's that's like such a different like era of vibe, right? There's not any place that's really like that anymore. Um, okay, so then where'd you go from there? Um, well, let's see. What did I do? I... I mean, I happen to know that Keith has toured with some musicians and that he's done a bunch of things. So I'm trying to I'm trying <laughs> to figure out what what was the bridge that closed the gap from like those first gigs to then you really doing this professionally and and oh okay so well I guess I had it in my mind the whole time even as a kid I never had to think about what my job would be. Um, but maybe that was wishful thinking, and it just came true. I don't know. So Again, that's called manifesting, Keith. But boom. Um, so then I went to um, Seattle Central Community College to play in a jazz group there. Uh, it was a jazz class. Okay. And uh, the teacher was Al Hood, a uh, brilliant avant-garde piano player. And one of my teachers, I actually started going there when I was still in high school. One of my te- one of the teachers at high school, Bob Gwen, bless his heart, uh, was a jazz bass player. Okay. And so he's like, you know what? You should play at this class. You should take this class, and I'll drive you there. So wow. af- after school, like once or twice a week, he'd take me over there. Super, super nice. I mean, music teachers, like, they're the ones that do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they see a kid with talent, they're like, if I have to drive you there myself and, you know, yeah. make this happen, like. Yeah. Um, and I was really blessed with that. Yeah. Um, with some really good ones. Uh, my junior high teacher, uh, music teacher, uh, made it so I would go to the high school and play in groups up there. Yep. And the high school teacher would pick me up in the morning to go play stage band and stuff like that. So, That's awesome. But yeah, they were really, really, all the teachers I was surrounded with were just fantastic that way. 
So anyway, um, there was Seattle Central, and then I went to North Seattle Community College to play in a big band. Okay. With Fred Radke, who's still around, a marvelous trumpet player, and who used to play in Harry James's band. Okay. Lead trumpet with Harry James. And he had a big band class, and you'd just go out there and you'd be in a big band and you'd play awesome charts and just really, really fun stuff. So when you say like big band now, I'll I'll go ahead and ask the question for myself and others that don't know. Do you mean big band style music or do you mean a large band? A uh, big band style music. Okay. So yeah. like like Glenn Miller and yeah. like okay. Yeah. 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 That's I that's what I thought. Uh huh. But I thought I would clarify. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm glad. So then I met some folks out there. And um, we had a little jazz combo, and we would start gigging. Um, and then our sax player, uh, who passed away a number of years ago, John Lee, um, he got called to sub for this in this rhythm and blues band called Cool Ray in the Shades, and um, with a singer Duffy Bishop and guitar player Chris Carlson. And when John Lee came back from subbing that gig and we did a, you know, like a rehearsal with him, he's mm-hmm. like, me and the drummer, Todd Zimberg, he was like, okay, you guys hang out. I'm going to work on them. Their band sucks. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to swap it out. We're, we'll do a takeover. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was freaking great. So, um, yeah, eventually uh, he worked his thing on them, mm-hmm. and we, um, they dropped that band, and they formed a new one with us, and that was called Duffy Bishop and the Rhythm Dogs. Okay. And I remember Fred Radke, the big band teacher, was like, no, no, don't call it the Rhythm Dogs. Like, call it the Rhythm Kings. <laughs> Bless okay. him. He just thought it should be positive, but he he saw rhythm dogs as somehow not right. Yeah, and we were a kind of self-effacing band. But anyway, that band started playing around the Seattle scene, and we kind of kind of ruled it for a little while. If I do say so myself, we were working constantly, so that was like my pr- first real professional. Gig. Yeah where we played a lot and I was getting into my mid twenties or whatever. Right. Right. So yeah. So there was that. And shall I keep going? Well, okay. So then basically from there, um, I know that you toured with some musicians. Right. And you've uh, played uh, backing music on some albums and done those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So, for people that might know some of the people that you've worked with, mm-hmm. share them. Okay. <laughs> well, first, uh, there was Fiona Apple, and uh, who some people don't know her. Um, I know her. I yeah. know her. Very popular singer-songwriter, especially in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yep. in 96, I joined up with her. Criminal was a huge Criminal huge yeah. loved playing that song. Yeah, and that that was our that was the second single 
from her first record title, yep. which I did not play on her records, but I was in the touring band. Okay. Thanks to two friends of mine, Dave Palmer, and uh, who keyboard player, uh, who was an old roommate of mine, and uh, drummer Matt Chamberlain, who's incredibly famous, sought after drummer, plays with everybody now. Okay. Um, That's yeah, awesome. they got me that gig. They were getting ready to go to. Europe to do some showcase shows. Okay. I think her record had maybe just come out. And um, they had a bass player, and they they quickly learned that during rehearsal that that was not going to fly. Yep. So Dave and Matt were like, well, get Keith, because they lived up here. Sure. And so they knew me. So I, I did that. Um, I toured her first two records. And that was really fun and exciting. Sure. You know, <laughs> I remember the first time the tour bus showed up. I was like, oh, we get a tour bus. And I I remember running to it and like, okay, what bunk am I going to get? And it was just like this big rolling clubhouse of fun. I'll bet. Yeah, super fun. I'll bet. We would do little games like... Uh, you know, I guess there's that game where the floor is lava. <laughs> yeah. So we would try and go from one end of the bus to the other without touching the floor. Talk and... about adult sleepaway camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. Okay. Uh, so there was that. Yep. Any, I'm, well, I could go I'm trying... on or we could talk about that for a little bit. Well, I mean, I just... I. I'm curious, like, so you've toured with a few different gigs uh, and musicians, then uh, you've cut albums with people. Like, which, what do you like? I think you strike me as a, uh, and you even said this when we talked um, previously, you really come alive when you're playing the instrument. Like, that is your kind of connection with people that are listening. Yeah, and a connection to my yourself if that's okay to say yeah oh i yeah and it's it's why i'm on the planet for sure um so yeah it re- I, I i say this I, I use this uh analogy a lot or this example uh i saw an interview with beyonce once and she talked about when she came out with her album i am sasha fierce or whatever it was called uh she talked about how she has this persona when she's performing you know, that persona that's just like stomping it out and singing and the hair is waving and the whole thing, right? However, if you if you interact with her in real life when she's not in performance mode, she's, sure, she's still strong and she's fierce and she's all those things, but she's much more, you know, quiet and she doesn't want to engage in that same way. So right. I wonder if that's what you experience to a certain degree that, you know, when you're playing, it's like that's your time to be Keith Fierce. <laughs> <laughs> Fearsome Keith. Right? <laughs> so maybe there's like Arr. Keith High and Keith Low. <laughs> Just saying. Um, you know, so I what do you like? Do you like the like being in the studio and, and doing that and working through the stuff, or do you like when you've already worked through it and now you just get to perform it? Uh, well, each has its charm for sure. Um, I kind of think I'm more of a, I don't know, a, just playing live is, 
you can let loose and have more fun because mm-hmm. you already know the music, hopefully. Right. And so that's just about the joy of playing music. And then, uh, I mean, I love recording, too. Uh, and I used to get really nervous about recording sessions. And then this great uh, jazz piano keyboardist that lives here in town, Wayne Horvitz, uh, um, who I, anyway, I'd like to talk about him, too, and all the other connections that were made. But he was like, yeah, I don't understand why people get, you know, get afraid about recording sessions saying, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. That's that's why I love it. You know, his whole take was, I love that about recording sessions. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. And that kind of helped flip it for me. Sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll turn it into that. And then it's, yeah, I do really have fun um, crafting and kind of kneading a song and manipulating it into a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you find that uh, the people that you work with are collaborative where it's, you know, you might be performing, for instance, when you were touring with Fiona Apple, she's written the music. So are you learning it exactly as it is or are you able to add something of your own uh, and make a suggestion? Because that's technically it's, I guess, changing the music, right? If you. Sure. Um, Well, like in. Fiona's case, definitely there's bass lines you have to play. Sure. Because um, people want to hear that. Right. Um, Got to give the people what they want. Yeah, but, you know, everybody wants you to kind of fill the chair a little bit and yep. make it your own. And each gig has its own parameters, you know. I, I wouldn't ever think of getting, like, super out from the bass lines in a gig like Fiona. Okay. Um, but you know, she really liked it when we would, um, play things our own way within that uh, framework. And then when you're recording in studio and you're, uh, as you said, it's becomes this kind of collaborative, like happy mistakes that it's like, actually there's something there and like, let's play with that and let's like draw it out a little bit more or, you know, do this or do that. Um, is that how it is? Yeah, pretty much. You know, every recording session is different. Um, some are like, have never made a record before and they're just, they're really excited to hear what you would do with it. Yep. Um, which then and that's a like, lot of responsibility. I was going to say, the, then it's like, you're making the record. <laughs> oh, well, I'm definitely making my part. Right. You know, and right. I'm steering the song in a direction I think is appropriate and, you know, we'll definitely take a read on the artist. Sure. You know, if they're super happy, then, yeah, we'll go keep going in that direction. And if they're not, we'll try and, you know, steer it someplace where they are happy. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it varying degrees of that and then people who are really certain what they want. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they'll they'll nudge you or <laughs> maybe not so gently. You know, they'll really suggest, well, we're hearing this thing here at this point. And so, you know, you incorporate it. What I really like to do in the studio is um, uh, when I first started making a lot of records, mm-hmm. that was up in Vancouver with this guy, Steve Dawson, who's in Nashville now. Um, and the way he made records 
he was a uh, record producer, label owner, and brilliant guitarist. Okay. And when we would make records, he wouldn't give us the music ahead of time because um, he didn't want us coming up with preconceived ideas. Oh, interesting. Yeah, if if you think too hard about it, you start trying to get clever, and it can really get in the way of just the flow. Yeah. You know. I believe that with the work that I do on a yeah. you know professional basis. It's like sure. I don't want to know anything really in advance when I'm working with somebody because uh, the authentic like reaction and, and translation of what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, uh, it's it's like, okay, that's you know, that's that piece and clients that I'm working with will either confirm that like, yep, mm-hmm. that's the direction that I'm going in or yeah. gee, I hadn't ever thought of that or whatever. Yeah. So that's cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. We would go to the studio and he'd show us the music while we're setting up and getting sounds. And then, uh, you know, we'd do about, we'd do one take. And then he would say, yeah, that's great. I like the way you build it into the chorus there. Or he'd be like, yeah, not so much, not so much this. You know, I'm hearing more whole notes or something. Right. You know, he'd give you little ideas, little bit. I really loved that he trusted all the musicians. Yeah. He, he had what he called, what was it? The, oh, I don't know. We were, we had a name, okay. like all of us who we hired yep. a lot for each record. That's cool. I mean, you're a subject matter expert on the, on the instrument that you play and you're part of the bigger piece. Yeah. And, uh, right. And, and the trust that he gave us was really, really great. And it just made your confidence go up a little bit. Sure. So, you know, we'd end up probably doing maybe three takes. And then he'd be like, okay, next tune. And he really noticed that um, when you started to get, trying to get clever. Yeah. And like fit in, like, ooh, it would be neat if I did doop-doop-doop. Yep, you know. yep. So, um, anyway... That's cool. That's I like that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, a lot when I do sessions, I get the music ahead of time. Um, and then you start really overthinking it and you get a little tweaked out. And <laughs> at least I do. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I still love that, but I really love the process when you just go to the studio and do it. And do it. Yeah, right there. All right. Um, Let's take a quick break. Okay. Because I want to ask you about the music that you are now creating for yourself and what that's like. And uh, I don't know. Who knows what else we're going to talk about? Keep listening to Stacy Connects. I am joined by Keith Lowe today. Stacy Heller is many things. Entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. 
too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is a psychotherapist committed to reestablishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuiper at KuiperCounseling.com. That's KuiperCounseling.com. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the show. So uh, we were talking about uh, Keith's cat, who I had the opportunity to meet. Dickin. And, uh, so cute. So cute. And found out that. What's, what's the cat's name one more time? Dickin. Dickin. And All I right. found out that uh, named from a character from the book, The Secret Garden. Yes, which is my one of my top two favorite stories. Which I Beautiful. loved that book when I was a kid, and I had sort of forgotten about it until you brought it up. And, uh, oh, it's a gorgeous story. And that leads me actually to your music uh, and the music that you create. And it's very... Um, Atmospheric, yes, I would I would use that word. Right, I mean, I feel sure. like I'm I feel like I'm somebody that is trying to describe how a wine tastes, and I but mm. I don't know how to do that, and so you know, like listening to music, it's hard when you're when you've got the musician sitting in front of you and you want to do it justice, but it is it's very atmospheric. It's that. It's the mood, and it's like the moors, and mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's nice a, where Dick and the character came from, right? And it's this uh, kind of layers of you know sound and feeling and the whole thing. Uh, tell me about creating your own music, like you know, you you perform all these other pieces from learning your scales as a child to learning big band music to playing Fiona Apple's music to all these other things. Uh, how do you then create your own sound and vibe and, you know, what's your process like? Well, it took me forever to find that um, because I have made a career out of backing up other people mm-hmm. as a bass player. You're, there's not a lot of, you know, bass players that lead their band. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, there you go. Sting. Right. Uh, <laughs> but only a couple. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. Those those are the two guys that do that. Um, yeah, so I had a moment. I'll take a maybe a not so quick detour sure. about how I got inspired to about that kind okay. of music. Um, yeah, like in the mid '80s, I was. Um, in a store in Pioneer Square, and I heard this just gorgeous, what I would consider heavenly music. Again, not religious, but it was floaty and just beautiful, and I was entranced. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. I'd never heard anything like it. And uh, so I asked the store clerk and she was like oh yeah yeah i'm glad you like it that's brian eno's music for airports 
which is my favorite freaking record of all time. And Eric, do you know that? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. know you you have much more uh much more musical knowledge and depth of knowledge than I do. Yeah, that was a real pioneering ambient record. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yep, and Brian Eno also kind of coined the term ambient music. Okay. Um so that that music is stuff I listen to when I'm not you know, when I'm at home. Yeah. Cuz I play a bunch of um pretty Fun and upbeat, and I don't know how else. A uh, bunch of music, right? A br- bunch Diverse. of different types sure. of music, and um. So when I get home, I want something. I want sound for sure, but yep. I don't want something tugging on my ear okay. the whole time. So that album and others like it, um, really are are important in my private life. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so then as you fast forward to, you know, starting to create your own music, mm-hmm. like I happen to know that uh, you're working on some new music and that you're uh, doing that. What inspired this last bit of music? Okay. Um, let's see. So pandemic. Yeah, well. Pandemic comes around. And I'm a performer, and I can't perform. Um, so I really didn't know what to do for a long time. Um, I read stories online, and you know, I right. just thought people need <laughs> comfort, so I'll do that. You know, because I love um, stories. Right. And then, um, you know, I didn't think anybody would just want to hear bass lines. You know, all my friends were playing guitar and singing songs. I was like, okay, I get that. Right. But me as a solitary backup musician, what am I going to do? So, um, and then one night, uh, one morning, I woke up and I had a, I had had a dream, and it was, um, it was just this disembodied voice, woman's voice singing a melody. No words, just the melody. And when I woke up, I was like, what is that song? What is, I have to find out because I know it's something. And then, uh, I, you know, I came to the realization it was La Vie en Rose. Mm, mm-hmm. And so when I, when I found that out, I was like, well, I'm going to learn that melody on the acoustic bass. And I'm going to go out in the garden and I'm going to film myself playing it because I didn't have anything else to do. Right, and, right. I, and I want to connect with people via music. Sure. Um, so I, I did that and then, you know, people liked that. And so I kept doing it. And every time I did it, it got a little more involved and... um. I learned a Brian Eno piece, and okay. I played that. Um, and then uh, some of my friends were were um, like, hey, you need to make a record. Um, and a really beautiful thing happened um, was I had friended somebody on Facebook mm-hmm. um, by the name of Peter Childers. 
and who um, is a software guy, and he made Brian Eno's uh, generative music apps. Oh. So he worked with Brian on those, and he also performs with Brian Eno. Okay. And I thought, I want to be friends with this guy. Sure. So um, he heard that Brian Eno piece, and he commented on it being beautiful. And I said, well, thank you. That means a lot because uh, I really love your music as well. And uh, he's like, you know what? I think I'm becoming a fan of your music. We should do something together sometime. Wow. So, um, yeah, then I just, uh, one of my friends, a couple of really important friends, Regan Hagar, uh, who I used to play in a band with called Brad, he was like, dude, Let's do let's do it. You should expand on that ambient music. And maybe the record company I work for will put it out. Yeah. So there was him and then there was my friend Evan Schiller and uh who I knew as a, back in the day as a drummer for a band called Sad Happy. Okay. And I can't say their motto because it contains a <laughs> swear word. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> We'll <laughs> do it. Okay, I, no, no, I was uh, okay. So anyway, he's he was like, you know what? Make a record. Um, he knew I didn't have a computer. I had mm-hmm. a, you know, my computer had died years before, and I just never got around to replacing it. Yep. So he's like, I'll find you a computer. He found me a used computer, and then he was like, Okay, now get this software. And recording. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, now get this microphone. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. Really, really lovely of him. And whenever I would thank him, he's like, oh, he would be like, oh, it was selfish. I just want to hear your album. Yeah. Which is a lovely thing to say. So, yeah, when I got that, I started making little experimental videos. I'd go on walks and I'd take just long, well, three minutes. I would take three-minute movies of just looking at water yeah. flow by or cottonwood uh, stuff falling yeah. through the I mean, the it's, sun. It, this, all this reminds me of, like, the Calm app and the apps that all of us are so – we're all – there's so much noise in the world. So to have music, like – and I've heard, again, uh, the music that you created, like, it's just – it's lovely. It's centering. It's grounding. It's – it's present. It's like Thank you. all of those things. And I don't mean it to compare to something that you would find on like the Calm app. But you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. just this. It's what we're all seeking is is uh, something that has meaning. And as you say, the sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, we're running out of time. So I'm like, I, there's so many more things that I want to chat about. However, okay. My okay. takeaways from chatting with you are a couple things. One. Clearly, you say you're not religious, but you totally have been given a gift that one could say is higher power given, God given, whatever it is. And the closer you go back to the thing that you have always loved, the more successful you'll become. Mm. Also, you appreciate that it takes a village and the village has supported you and you support others uh, by virtue of the fact that you've mentioned all of these people that have been so helpful for you and to you. Uh, and uh, 
you've got stories. You've got stories, and <laughs> you've got a lot of music, uh, and you need to share them. So if people want to know more about you and those stories and music, where mm-hmm. can they learn more? Well, um, I'm pretty much on Facebook. Okay. Um, and you would – there's – Two Keith Lowe Facebook pages of an old grade school friend of mine a long, many years ago, like put together a Keith Lowe music page. Okay. And uh, I just never go there anymore. All right. Um, So they should just go to. It's all Keith Lowe, uh, just social media. All right. And it's L-O-W-E. Yep. Yep. There you go. All right. I'm going to have to have you back so that we can talk more. I'd love that. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Remember, stay connected. And, of course, thank you, Eric, and thank you, Keith. Thank you, guys.